You are listening to the Rock That Creative Job podcast with Jamie Roberts, episode 20. This podcast has a very focused mission to inspire, motivate, and empower you with the tools, insight, and guidance you need to get better jobs, better work, better pay, and build the creative career and life you've always wanted. So click subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and let's rock. Hey, creatives. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Rock That Creative Job podcast. I am so glad you're here. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening, for subscribing, and for sharing this podcast so that all creatives can have the career support that they need. I am on a mission to build the community and support that I wish I had when I was in my creative career. So today we've got a special edition episode because I want to share some things about me that may shock or surprise you, especially if you've only known me as a designer, a creative director, or as the owner of this business, which I launched on my birthday at the end of 2020. So let's kick it off with some basics. I currently reside in lovely Portland, Oregon. And before I started this business supporting other creatives across the globe with their careers, I spent 20 years in the creative industry going back and forth between agency and in-house environments. I started out as a solo graphic designer and worked my way up to the head of creative where I managed multi-level creative teams. And I promoted products and services for a wide variety of regional, national, and global B2B and B2C industries. I also ran my own design LLC as a side hustle for about a decade while I worked full-time in those creative roles. So I've seen a lot and I've done a lot, but that is really only the resume version of my story. And today on this 20th podcast episode, I want to go a little deeper because I know sometimes when we see other creative people doing well or finding success in their careers, we wonder what they did to get there. If they have something that we don't, if they had some kind of special support, if they had certain advantages, if someone helped them behind the scenes, or if they followed a specific roadmap that I don't know about. I've asked myself these same questions in my career. This is why I want to tell you more about my story so you know there is nothing super extraordinary about me and that you can absolutely achieve the same kinds of successes if you're willing to figure yourself out a little bit more. But I know that sounds kind of loaded. So we're going to take it back to the 70s and talk about my experience growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was born and raised. So other than the fact that I had very supportive parents who loved me and looked out for me, there was nothing remarkable about my upbringing there. I played outside most of the year because it was gorgeous and sunny, 300 plus days. I rode my bike in the neighborhood with other kids. I played with my Cabbage Patch doll. I watched He-Man and She-Ra and Rainbow Bright. I had a very average childhood. And I'm very grateful for my family because I know not everyone has family that they can rely on and are supportive. So I'm not overlooking that gift at all. But there was nothing specific or exceptional that gave me a head start on success as a creative professional. I did not come from a wealthy family that had industry connections or that paid for my college. In fact, I had the opposite. I watched all my friends take tennis lessons and go to summer camp and leave on family vacations while I grew up in a family that struggled to avoid foreclosure and put food on the table and keep the lights on or buy us new school sneakers. I did not have the advantages of many of my friends, and I spent most of my adult life working through my financial insecurity issues as a result. 
I was running this default mode of scarcity from age five. And I now know that it cost me creative professional opportunities as an adult. I sometimes took lower salary offers than I wanted. I stayed in toxic jobs because I was fighting the idea that there wouldn't be anything else out there for me or that I wasn't lucky enough to get something better. Like my friends who were able to have those childhood experiences where they went on vacation and they got new school shoes. I now know that was absolutely incorrect, but it was a struggle to overcome those thoughts and they still creep in. The other thing that I want you to know about me, and this will come as a shock to a lot of you, I was a hardcore introvert for the first 25 years of my life. Now, those of you who have met or spoken with me in person, worked for me or worked alongside me, seen me give a keynote speech or a client presentation, attended one of my virtual talks, watched my YouTube videos or my Instagram reels, you're probably thinking, well, that is completely impossible. This is obviously an extroverted person, and that's probably why she's had success. But my parents will disagree with you on that one because I was a very awkward and shy child. I refused to make eye contact with neighbors, teachers, my parents, friends and coworkers, even relatives. And I would cry if they tried to talk to me. I had two very extroverted parents who were totally confused as to how their firstborn child could be so avoidant of human interaction. So they decided to send me to preschool in 1980 when I was three to help me come out of my shell a bit more and ensure that I could make friends and learn how to build relationships and actually talk to other humans. And because I'm such a talker now, my dad liked to joke that after they sent me to preschool, I never shut up again. He's half right, half wrong there. But for a good 30 years, the level of extroversion you're all seeing now was really only shared at home or with people I knew well enough to not feel anxious in front of. When I was in elementary school, I hated anything that related to talking in front of my class, which included doing math problems on the chalkboard, raising my hand to answer questions, or reading a passage from a book out loud. I was also always picked last for teams in gym class because if a ball came toward me, I ran the other direction. I even hated playing kickball, which most kids love because I didn't like being the center of attention when it was my turn. I would force my friends to cut the line and go ahead of me until the PE teacher would finally notice and force me to go up and kick. The only time I truly felt comfortable or at ease was when I was drawing or creating something new by myself. In 1991, my family moved from Atlanta to Buffalo, New York, and I had the culture shock of my life at 14. I was immediately an outcast with my Southern accent in a Northern Rust Belt city that had lost a lot of economic opportunity in the previous decade. No one knew what to really make of me. And of course, I got teased because kids are especially mean at that age. But I also garnered some attention from the other kids who'd never met anyone from the South before. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I also felt like I had the opportunity to try things I hadn't been able to try in my childhood because no one in New York knew me and I could create a new reality. No one knew that my family struggled financially or that I was painfully introverted and I desperately wanted to shed that awkwardness. There's a song by Ben Folds called Redneck Past that really resonated with me in the 90s. And there's a lyric that says, if you're afraid they might discover your redneck past, there's a hundred ways to cover your redneck past. This made me feel like I wasn't the only person who had ever wanted to move on from their past and create something new. 
So I still struggled with shyness in high school, especially since I didn't know many people and I didn't have friends that I grew up with. But I noticed that whenever I was talking about art or sharing a creative project or idea, I had this confident feeling. So I went toward those good, confident feelings and I tried to squeeze all the energy and momentum out of them to get me through the other parts of my day that were less comfortable. This is something that I taught myself to do and I would do for years throughout college and every job I've ever had. Because I recognized early on that this was a feeling I liked, and I decided to capitalize on it as much as I possibly could. And looking back, I suppose that I saw some natural alignment that I had with creativity at an early age. It felt easy. It felt comfortable. It felt natural. And I made it my life's goal to do something with it, partially because I enjoyed it so much, but also because I wanted to feel confident more of the time. But the introversion never really left, and it definitely followed me through college. I always sat in the back of every class, hoping not to be noticed until my time came to present the work in a critique session. I also want to stress that I worked incredibly hard in college. And this is not to impress you, but it's to explain the reality of why I did this. I didn't have the college experience that most people have because I went full-time and spent six years in studio-intensive courses while working two or sometimes three jobs to pay for everything myself. But I also pulled all-nighters to make sure my projects were as amazing as I could make them, even if it meant no sleep, no parties, and no time with friends. I'm not advocating for this kind of extreme and intense focus because I really do believe that we all need to have a healthy balance of things in our lives. But now I know I was chasing that feeling of being confident and comfortable through these actions. And I knew to get those feelings, I always had to go the extra mile. I learned that the introversion I struggled with most of my life and thought was a roadblock had actually become my driving force. I always wanted my work to be the best. But my competitive spirit is because when I got those straight A's and the scholarships and the awards and the praise or the job and the client, those amazing feelings were never far behind. This made me work very, very hard at everything. And I was absolutely an overachiever because it felt really good. It also pushed the fears further and further away. It was a cycle of reinforcement that I got used to and I was leveraging the hell out of it. But that didn't mean that I wouldn't still have anxious moments here and there where I wanted to crawl into a hole and just have somebody else deal with things. When I was working professionally as a graphic designer, my anxious, introverted self would rear its head in certain scenarios. Whenever I had to negotiate projects or timelines or costs with vendors, I felt those anxious feelings. Or when someone called my desk phone. Remember desk phones? Yeah, I wouldn't answer it. I would just let it ring and ring and ring, and then it let it go to voicemail so I could listen to the message, carefully prepare my response, and then call the person back. But this tactic did not work when I was promoted because I knew I didn't have time for this approach. I was managing two creative teams on different coasts, and we were handling 17 different clients across the country. So I had a lot of people calling me every day, and there was no way that I could just let the phone ring, listen to the voicemail, and then respond. I had to deal with things in real time, and that made me feel incredibly stressed. But I decided I was going to force myself to do something scary, to get over this. I was going to pick up the phone on the first ring every single time, even if I didn't know who was on the other end. And I'm going to tell you that this challenge was scary as hell, but I made myself do it over and over and over and over until the confidence I got from solving those creative problems in real time 
finally found its way there too. And those good feelings that I loved when I felt confident, they came flooding in. So after a lifetime of working on this bit by bit in every experience, I finally found my comfortable extroverted flow state, which is what you all get today. And I've taken almost every personality test out there. So I can confidently say that I am 100% Myers-Briggs ENFJ. I'm also an Enneagram 7, which is the enthusiast. My Adobe creative type is the visionary. And my top five strengths finders are individualization, maximizer, strategic, activator, and futuristic. I'm also a hardcore Sagittarius and a Scorpio rising. Now, all of these reflect someone who has a very extroverted character which makes sense if you just met me or you know me as the confident adult I am today. But if you knew me as a younger human, you would be shocked at the outcome of these assessments. And I sometimes wonder what the outcomes would have been 30 years ago when I couldn't even call to order a pizza over the phone or make small talk with my friend's parents when they drove me home. In my keynote speech in Phoenix, Arizona last year, I made the point that we are all becoming someone. And sometimes the most uncomfortable things allows us to become who we are. And I'm telling you all of this because our LinkedIn profiles, our portfolios, and our resumes only really scratch the surface of our experiences as creative humans. I've had to navigate all sorts of scenarios that I never imagined would even be a thing. So just know that I am always speaking to you from a place of direct experience and empathy and whatever you're struggling with, I get it. And I've probably been there. It is also the privilege of my life to be able to use all of this knowledge and these experiences and these difficult lessons to help so many other creatives go from feeling invisible, frustrated, isolated, and disillusioned with their careers to feeling seen and heard and empowered and inspired to be able to support you so you can find your true potential as a creative and use that inertia to move your career forward. I want every one of us to make brave choices to change our lives in ways that will help us further align with our true creative path so we can get the creative jobs, promotions, and clients that light us up inside and generate those amazing, confident feelings that we are all chasing. And if you've been on this journey with me for decades or you just met me on LinkedIn this week, I want you to know that you are important to me and I want to help you in any way that I can. And I am eternally grateful for our relationship, whatever that may be, because I know that you have a creative spark that you need to make brighter in the world. And I want to be the person that supports you and understands you and helps you through some of these struggles that sometimes take us a big part of our lifetime to understand. I want to help you navigate the transitions and find that happiness you're searching for. I want you to be able to tell your story in a way that leverages all the best parts of who you are so you can get more opportunities to generate those amazing, confident feelings that I know you want to infuse into your life. And the only way to do that is to see yourself as the creative, unique human that you truly are. So thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope it helped if you're struggling with something similar. And please reach out if you need anything. I am here to support you in whatever way you need. 
And if this is your first Rock That Creative Job podcast or your first introduction to me and my content, I want to let you know that you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Rock That Creative Job. You can check out my website, rockthatcreativejob.com. I have a lot of free content on there like videos, downloads, blog articles to help you figure out the day-to-day in your career and to move it forward more confidently and strategically. I want to make sure that you have the specialized career support that you deserve as a creative so you never second-guess your career decisions or undervalue yourself and your talent. So please share this podcast with all your creative friends, share my content, share my site, connect as many people with this as possible, because my mission is to make sure everyone feels good about what they do and that they love doing it every single day. Thanks so much for being here. We have a lot more episodes coming up that you're going to love. I really appreciate you and everything that you put into the world. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. (laughs) 